0: Christmas is a celebration of the gift of a servant that God gave to us. And so I felt it would be good for us to consider, and I'm hoping we'd be able to draw what it might look like and might be inspired and encouraged to consider this season a, a season where we give ourselves away. But I think it's best described that Jesus is the servant that Jesus came as a servant by the Apostle Paul in this letter that he wrote to the Philippians. And if you were to open up your handout at the bottom, there's a scripture. Or we'll just put it up right up top. And Paul wrote this letter to these believers in Philippi. And he, right before this verse, he said that God, that Jesus was equal with God. And if he wanted to, he could take the rights of divinity upon himself. We're told that he made himself of no reputation. That is, he did not... Take these rights. Instead, he took the form of a bondservant, as as one without rights. And he came, he came to us as a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. And Christmas. Christmas is a celebration of the one who came as a servant. Christmas is a celebration of God. Drawing near to us in the form of a child and Jesus being born and living out and modeling what service looks like and what perhaps the best life looks like. One of service, one of giving oneself away for others. And I felt compelled by this because personally I've been I've been greatly encouraged and strengthened by people that have stepped into my life and have decided to serve me out of their energy and they've sacrificed their time and stepped into my life when I've been going through struggles or I've had different points of pain and and tough stuff and people have served me have stepped into my life and given themselves away on my behalf and that to me will be something I, I will always appreciate but it also has kind of something of a A feeling for me because I I remember growing up in a home that you know my parents grew up in El Salvador and they immigrated their way here to San Francisco and so I was born here and I grew up here and I remember growing up in a family that really we didn't have a lot. I mean we we had our needs met and we had uh, things that we needed but there wasn't a big margin. Right It was out of a limited quantity that we lived. And I remember around Christmas season, we would have gatherings and we would share gifts and things of that nature. And I remember watching my parents, my mom and dad, sharing gifts out of a desire to serve others. And so instead of being able to give, you know these gifts to other people in the family, my, my mom, after working hard all day, and maybe you've seen people this way, in your family or in the community that would labor all day and come home and then labor some more. And she would cook and she would prepare meals for people and she would prepare desserts and packages and those would be Christmas gifts. And I remember her, even now, loves to sew and loves to knit and crochet and she would make things for people out of a desire to serve. And I remember growing up with my grandfather who who lived with us my whole life and is still at my parents' home and I remember hearing stories about how my grandmother used to serve people in her community in El Salvador I remember hearing these stories, kind of sometimes being forced to hear these stories, and uh, not really thinking a whole lot of them, just thinking, okay, yeah, my, my grandmother served people. Cool. And I remember this this one time, just as I got older, you know, gro- going to El Salvador with my family, and it kind of all connected for me. It made a real impression on me. Because I remember going through the, the marketplace and with my mom, and, we'd buy different things and food and stuff like that, take back home. And as we were making our way through the marketplace, somebody come, came up to my mom and just kind of looked at her, recognized her a little bit. My mom and I both sit there and, and this lady comes up and looks at her and she says, you're Rosa, you're, you're so-and-so's daughter. And, and my mom was like, yes. And, and she looks at me, and she's like, oh, and she comes over and she gives me a hug, right? And I'm like, Right. And I'm feeling a little bit of she comes over. She's like, you must be her, her grandson. And, and so I was like, yeah. And I, I just kind of didn't know how to really receive it. The attention and just wanted to shake our hands and hug us. And, and they just felt particularly joyful to see us. And as we were talking, she started sharing that my grandmother. Met a real need in her family. A long time ago. And that stuck with her. And she got her her family that was nearby, she got her her daughter and her grandson to come over and say, these are the people that provided their grandmother, his grandmother, her mom provided for us when we didn't have anything. She gave us the ability to have a meal, and she you remember, you know, she just started recounting the different things, a dress that was that was provided for, that was helped provide a gift in Christmas time, pair of shoes. I mean, very small things. But the idea was that she was impressed. She was just filled with tremendous joy and impacted by the service my grandmother had given her. And we, who really I had nothing to do with this, was receiving tremendous joy because at some point years ago, thousands of miles away from where I live, my grandmother decided to say, I have very little to give but I will give myself, I will serve, seek to meet a need. And I remember, and I just just started recording all, remembering all the stories my grandfather shared, and it just kind of started impacting me. It's like these people are alive. They really happened. These weren't just stories. Lives were affected. Families were affected. This one person decided to serve. And as I sit in the Christmas story, I, I was looking through it and mulling it over, and I realized that the Christmas story in itself has so much of serving in it. So much of the Christmas story is written out of just this attitude of serving and surrendering and a response of service to what God is doing. And so we're going to take a look at just one account through the book of Luke, through this gospel that Luke wrote. And I think it'd be interesting just for us to note that Luke wrote from perspective of responding to an inquiry that a friend of his, Theophilus, he names him in the first chapter of Luke, had about the coming of Christ and his ministry in his life. And so it's in response to that inquiry that Luke wrote this gospel. And it's out of this response and inquiry that we are able to live out of this today. And, and each of the gospels have different angles and perspectives and vantage points. So we have Matthew, Mark, and John who wrote from different angles for different reasons. And we're able to group them together and see over the life of the same person and the birth of Christ and his ministry and his life. We're able to see different perspectives and it comes together and it gives us a full picture of what it looked like. And so today we're just going to look at one of those angles. We're told that in his response to Theophilus, he says to him in verse one, he says, it came to pass in those days, those days being the days that Christ was born says that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that is the Roman emperor, that all the world, which is another way of saying the whole Roman world, right, should be registered. And so we're told that Caesar decides there is going to be a census need to be taken. And we know that Caesar was wanting to take a census so that he can account for how many people were around. He could account for how much he could tax them. And have an accurate measure of how much revenue he would create. And this census took place in verse two. We're told that it first took place while Carinus was governing Syria. So again, he's, he's writing to a friend that would recognize this. He say, just to give you a historical landmark, the coming of Christ occurred when Carinus was governing Syria. This is when this whole thing started to happen. And we're told in verse 3 that all went to be registered. Everyone was included in this. Everyone to his own city, to his own place of ancestry. And people would, you would get the picture that a small migration started to occur. Where people would unite together to a certain location and travel. Either short or long distances to take their part in this census. In the registering of where they were, what they have, who possessions, who is in their family. Whatever information they would desire. And so we're told in verse 4 that Joseph also went up from Galilee, and, and he inserts Joseph and Mary, Galilee being up north, out of the city of Nazareth. We're told that they make the journey into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David. That is, that is where he, his ancestry was from. He went to be registered with Mary, so he had Mary with him, his betrothed wife, who's with child. It'd be good for us to kind of understand the, the backstory to what's going on. Because I think on one hand we have Mary, which we need to acknowledge what happened in her life before this occurred. Because Mary is sitting there engaged to Joseph, a young woman, and God enters her life and says, Mary, you have found favor you will be pregnant with the Son of God. Now Mary is, in this point, engaged, is not married to Joseph. And as we read it, we can kind of sense a tension. Maybe the implications start to come to her, realizing that she, who has not been with a man, is about to be pregnant, and what her community would treat her with. Kind of an outcast and rejection attitude. The conclusions people would make. Maybe the way her family would be smeared, her the honor of her family would be tainted, and at the very least, right, her own virtue, highly questioned. You get the idea that her she's thinking through the implications of what God is asking of her, because it's not like she could go around saying, "Yep, this is the Son of God." (laughs) Right here, (laughs) just happened. Nope, you know, she can't really explain it, right? Yeah, Mary, right. (laughs) You get the idea. It would really cause her to be in an uncomfortable situation. Unwanted attention, ridicule. And yet her response is one of surrender. I think it'd be good for us to see how she phrased her response. So her response said, you know, I am the Lord's servant. God asked something of her and her response was to say, I am at your service, God. May everything you have said about me be done and may it come true. And so on one hand, we have the Christmas story being written through a life of a person who decided to respond to God by saying, I will serve. Now on the other hand, we have Joseph who once he finds out that Mary is pregnant, has a bit of a problem with it. We're told that he, because he's a just and merciful man, decides within himself to put her away secretly. That is, to end the relationship secretly. More so out of an act of kindness toward her. Because maybe she tried to explain, and maybe he didn't believe her. And maybe he's deciding, you know, I don't want to exploit her. I don't want to cause her undue harm. So I'm going to secretly end this. I can't marry somebody who is carrying a child that is not mine. We were engaged. And as he's wrestling with this, he he goes to sleep at night, and we're told that God invades his dream and says, Joseph, I have put you in this relationship. You are to stay here. Do not be afraid to take her as your wife. I am doing this in her life. You must remain with her. Joseph wakes up and decides to take her as his wife, and in many ways, he decides to serve her. His response was one of serving her so that she could serve the Lord. So this Christmas story comes about through two people's lives, who decided to respond to God by saying, I am here available to serve. We are living out the result. We are able to celebrate because two people decided to serve. It's all over the Christmas account. All over it. And so we're told that Not only, it's with this understanding that they have now, they're together, they're probably enduring the implications of her pregnancy, the unwanted attention, the criticism, we're probably staying in their community, there's a bit of rejection, there's probably a bit of mocking going on, there's some exclusion going on, and then on top of that, in their service to the Lord, carrying this child, they are asked to make a pretty extraordinary journey. And we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem after this journey. So this journey was quite an ordeal. In fact, if we were to just look at the map very quickly, we'd see that Nazareth and Bethlehem are quite a distance apart. This journey is a 92-mile journey without cars. Either on a donkey or by foot. Journey would take anywhere between four days to a week with a very pregnant woman. Very uncomfortable. Very tough. And God says, this is what I'm asking of you to them, to serve me in this way. And what we don't hear is we don't see any kind of complaint. We don't see any kind of negative attitude through the whole thing. We don't see any of that. All we are told is that they did it faithfully. They served through this journey faithfully. It's pretty amazing if we really think about it. They served. They served. They served. And so in verse 6, we're told that it was while they were there that the days were completed for her to be delivered. That is, her time had come. While they were there in Bethlehem, her time had come. Her time of labor Had approached. And she brought forth her son, her firstborn son, and wrapped him, right? This is the image we are familiar with. Wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. What a a very tender, gentle, humble picture. She delivered in a stable, laid Jesus down in a manger, and we're just told in kind of almost in passing, almost as if didn't really need to be said because there was no room in the inn. So, so we have two people who endured the awkward attention that was brought to them because of this gift God was giving them and because of this service they were giving. And then they're asked to make this hard journey on foot or by donkey in the midst of tough circumstances. And then they come to Bethlehem. They, they do what they are required to do. And then when they come to the inn, there is no room. And that's not what dominates. That's just a small detail. What dominates is what happens through their service. God brings forth his son in their midst. What doesn't dominate is what I think is very human. I'm thinking, if I'm Joseph, right? I'm thinking, okay, it's a son of God. <sighs> Maybe a reservation at an inn, Right? Maybe, I mean, okay, it's your son. Maybe not a parade, maybe not a big announcement, maybe not a security guard protecting such a valuable person. Maybe not all of that. Okay, I, maybe, I, I will wrestle with that and be okay with that. But then to come to an end, and I would expect, you know, hello, yes, do, do you have a room? Well, who are you? Joseph and Mary, the son of God. You're uh, <laughs> right this way, we've been expecting you. Presidential suite, right? I mean, it's like, no. It's like, do you have any room? No. Um, Maybe in the back somewhere? No. I see. Is Any cancellations? No. Um, A closet? No. Nothing. That's right. (laughs) Right? We do have one place. Oh, yeah? Where? Come with me. Why are we going outside the inn? And then bring them to, oh, where the, the animals stay? smell stuff, smelly stuff and messy, dirty. I mean, do you see how pregnant she is? And there's none of that. You would think there's some degree of disappointment, some degree of expecting something more. And yet what they're given is the most humble of locations. And there's none, no sign at least of an attitude that would say anything other than, thank you, God, allow me to serve you. Thank you for this gift. And if we read on, we know that other people came and saw the baby and bowed before the king and rejoiced. And both Mary and Joseph sat there, kind of stunned at the joy their service brought forth. This Christmas season, I hope we would consider ourselves gifts to others, servants to others. It's written all over the story. I have just a couple things for us to consider as we move into the season together of how God might want us to serve, especially drawing away from this account. Firstly, I would say that God may ask us, and these are just some thoughts here. The first thought is that God may ask us to serve people. I think of Joseph. I think of Joseph being invaded in his dream and his response, his request that God made of him was to serve Mary. His act of service, his act of giving himself away was to serve the one who was carrying the child. And I think of all the different people, maybe even in our own community, in our own body, who serve behind the scenes who may not get the recognition, who may not get the public um, acknowledgement, but they are able to release others to serve and to give. And in many ways, the success of the one who might get recognition is really theirs as well. Because they are able to strengthen and empower and release and enable others to serve. This is exactly what Joseph did. So God may ask us to serve people. But I also thought, you know, God may ask us to serve people we may not want to serve. I was thinking of maybe environments where we're put with people that we'd rather avoid. We'd rather not have relationship with. We'd rather not invest in. Perhaps in our work environment. There are coworkers that we say, I'm going to stay away. For whatever reason inconvenient, difficult, tough, rub us the wrong way, offend us in some way. And God would say to us, perhaps, I've put you in this place so you can serve. I've put you in this place to give the kindness you do not receive and the love you do not receive and the respect maybe you desire. I've put you in this place to demonstrate my heart to them, that I come to you as a servant I come to you as one who loves you before you loved me. And perhaps God would have us say, I will serve these people. Maybe it's somebody over us that we'd rather have minimal conversation with. And perhaps God would say, enable them and you will succeed. Strengthen them, serve them, empower them, help them thrive, and you will have a piece of that victory. Because in your serving, you allow others to serve. God may ask us to serve people in this season. Secondly, I would say that God may ask us to serve faithfully, even in difficult circumstances. Joseph and Mary were asked of the Lord to endure difficult circumstances. I do not think it's a stretch for us to consider that it was a difficult circumstance they were in. The criticism alone could be challenging, then the physical travail of making the journey, and then the feeling of rejection, and through it all, they were asked to serve faithfully, to serve faithfully. I, I just think about them. If, if I'm them, here I am serving God, right, and some of us might rec- right, feel this, and we step out, God might ask us to respond, and we do. We step into it, and we show up, and we're faithful. And then we feel like God isn't showing up for us. He's not providing for us. We show up, and he's not. God, you're asking me to do this, and yet you put me in a stable. There's, there's nothing provided. But there is. And that's where I want you to serve. Right there. Right there. He would ask us to serve faithfully, even in the most difficult circumstances. And this is an amazing thing about them, is they they don't mention this, right? All they mention is the joy of the Son being born. Which is my last point, is that God may ask us to receive the joy found in serving. Many times, I would even say, suggest the joy found really only in serving only in giving ourselves away. Because they were able to discover the joy of what their service produced, of what the result was. Some of us may have the privilege of seeing the results of our service. We may have the privilege of seeing the results. And other of us might feel like, my life is messed up. There are things in here that aren't filled with peace and joy and love and grace. They aren't feeling that way. And I would say sometimes, for those of us who might be in that place, choosing to step out of ourselves and choosing to invest into another life and choosing to lay ourselves down and serve others might be the best thing we could do. Not only for others, but for ourselves. Because when we do, when we serve others, we step in line with what God is doing in that person's life. And we get to recognize that we may not feel like we have a whole lot to contribute, but what we do have to contribute is energized by the love of God. And it's empowered by his spirit, by his passion for these people, for the relationships, and for what he's put around us. We are able to join in the joy of God's activity. It's been written down throughout the years. We're able to join continuing the movement of his love. God may ask us to receive the joy of serving. And I felt like this this really is what brought it home for me, personally. Because I remember that time I went to El Salvador, it was around Christmas time. And in El-, and El Salvador, Christmas is very loud and very uh, a lot of fireworks and firecrackers everywhere and celebration and the community would come together and share things and I remember it was very different. There weren't a whole lot of gifts that were, wow. There was a lot of meals. There were a lot of things created out of a heart of saying, I have little, but what I have is yours. And the joy in that environment was just powerful. And it's not just there. I remember going to different missions trips, experiencing the same degree of joy. It's almost as if when we don't have what we used to have materially, when we don't have the fiscal ability to give what we would like to give, that we are distilled down to give what we have to give, which is our life. Because we all have a life to give. All of us. And no gift of service can ever be diminished ever be diminished in light of what Christ has done, the greatest servant that ever lived among us. May we move into this Christmas season with this desire. And I was thinking of just some practical ways we can step into this together in light of the season we're walking into. I I think there are the common ways of teaming up with organizations that seek to meet the needs of the underprivileged and provide a meal or some clothing, an encouraging word an ear to hear a conversation. We could do that. So I was thinking, too, we can maybe perhaps consider opening up our homes, providing an environment that's hospitable and filled with life and celebration and say, you know, you may not have your family nearby. You may not be able to afford to go back home. Why don't you join this family? the gift of Christ was our gift, everyone's gift. Let's join in together. And you might think, well, I don't know if I feel comfortable doing that. Perhaps our role could be to join up with somebody who's able to do that and serve somebody who's able to host and enable them and release them to provide that community. I, I know maybe some of you know of families that have done that even this week over Thanksgiving. I, I know of a couple. I definitely took advantage of that <laughs> and enjoyed the food. But we can step in that way in Christmas this season. I was thinking of another way. Perhaps we could commit ourselves to praying for people. Maybe even praying for those people we'd rather avoid, the ones we'd rather not pray for. Maybe we could say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to contend for your blessing to take place in their life. I may never see it, but I'm going to contend for it. I'm going to pursue you on their behalf that your love would impact their lives. Yes, I might be hurt and offended by them, but I'm going to pursue you on their behalf And may your joy of the season invade their lives. They may not recognize it, but may you knock on the door of their heart. And may you give them the ability to respond to you. May your life flow in them. May your blessing be upon them. May you give them a sense of joy in this season, wholeness and healing. May your presence be with them. And you know what happens when we start fighting on behalf of those we might not get along with? Something in our heart changes. The offense loses its power. Whatever grinds us starts loosening its grip on us. We actually start caring. and We are able to really serve. It's a powerful, powerful dynamic. It is the very heart of God toward us. Now, I really don't know how else you know, God might be impressing you to serve. I was thinking it'd be nice in light of the season to write maybe a note or an encouraging letter to somebody we haven't been in contact with, a family member or a friend, giving them a call and just sharing words of encouragement and love. You just never know what a word can do. There have been many times in my life when I haven't really shared it with anyone, but I've been fighting discouragement and somebody, for whatever reason, decided to send me either an email or a card or give me a call or whatever, what have you. And that word would impact me. It would fuel me and strengthen me and remind me of the blessings God has all around in my life. You just never know what a loving word can deliver. You just never know. Small act of serving. I don't, again... I don't know how God would impress you to serve. My hope is that really what it's all about is having our eyes wide open and being able to look and see for opportunities, needs that need to be met, and being willing to step into them. Being willing to step into them. And in fact, this idea of having our eyes wide open is in the song we're going to be closing with in a minute. The band will be coming up and Sharing this song, we're going to receive our time of giving. But this song is in your handout. It's called Your Love is a Song. The stanza says, I've been keeping my eyes wide open. I have been keeping my eyes wide open. Because when we do that, when we decide to give ourselves away as servants, we step into the love God has for us. And his song of love is able to penetrate through our lives and be delivered through our acts of kindness and love and mercy and joy. And we're able to step into people's lives and see God flow through us and his joy and his life and his love. The love of this season is able to abound when we decide to serve. So may we step in the footsteps of the one who came as a servant. May we join and team up with the love he has to share. May his song be sung through our actions this season. May the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of Christ be among us as we decide to give our lives away. May that be how our season is defined. I'm going to pray. And we're going to share in the song together. God, I thank you. I thank you that you drew near to us in a very gentle, vulnerable, humble way. Jesus, I thank you for living the life you lived. Thank you for drawing near as a servant, serving us and enabling us, empowering us to give ourselves away as servants to others. May your song of love flow in our lives. And may your song of love flow through our servant-like actions. We pray for your blessing over this season, over this word we've shared together. We pray for this in Jesus' name.